When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. And welcome to WrestleMania Rewind here on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Phil Mackey and Declan Goff. And that was the beginning and the very end of WrestleMania 17. April 1st, 2001, inside the, I was going to say the Astrodome. It's the, it's, uh, it's, uh, not the Astrodome. It's the, the other the Houston. Reliant, yeah, the Reliant, Reliant Astrodome. Yep. yep. Uh, so, oh, it wasn't the Astrodome. It was. So, so this the is before one. their new stadium was Correct. built. 68,000 fans and Jim Ross. I feel like the last three episodes or maybe four, we have started off by saying, my God, this is like peak Jim Ross. Yes. And then the next one comes along. It's like, no, no, that was peak Jim <laughs> yeah, Ross. Yeah. And then I hear this and it's like, maybe that was peak Jim Ross. I don't know. Let's fire up some more Jim Ross here from the main event. these on top of like every Minnesota sports event yeah. come back. My God! My God! <laughs> Stephon Diggs! Sideline! His heart is still beating. Um, Alright, so WrestleMania 17, 2001, the headliner match, Rock Austin 2. This is the second of three Rock Austin main events at WrestleMania. You also had the TLC tag match, maybe the most historic tag match mm-hmm. in wrestling history. 
And you also had Undertaker as the American Badass against Triple H in the first of their three WrestleMania battles. The other two didn't happen until like 10 years later. And you had one week prior to this WrestleMania, Shane McMahon in in storyline purchased WCW. So all of this is percolating here. I'm going to fly through the matches and then we'll just kick around thoughts here and go from there. So the dark match was actually X-Factor, just incredible and X-Pac. How far DX had fallen. It had now turned into X-Factor, basically. Uh, And they defeated Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman in a tag match, which is... A weird combination. Just in general, a hodgepodge of four guys right there together. That was the that was the dark match to start things off. Then the, the event kicks off, and it's an intercontinental title match. Chris Jericho defeating William Regal in a solid little match, seven-minute match. Sure. Taz and the Acolyte Protection Agency, Bradshaw and Farouk, defeated Right to Censor, <laughs> which was the Godfather as the Good Father, Val Venus with short hair, Stephen Richards, and Bull Buchanan. And I actually kind of enjoyed Right to Censor. Looking back in retrospect, <laughs> they took like the porn star guy and they took the the pimp and they turned them into these sort of suit and tie wearing uh, guys who would never say anything bad. Everything was G rated. Kane defeating Raven and the Big Show in a hardcore championship match. Eddie Guerrero defeating Test in a European championship match. Kurt Angle over Chris Benoit. China destroys Ivory in the women's championship match. Shane McMahon over Vince McMahon in a street fight, edging Christian over the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys in the famous TLC match, the Iron Sheik winning the gimmick battle royal, Undertaker over Triple H, and Stone Cold over The Rock, turning heel at the end of WrestleMania 17 for the first time in like four years. Your favorite part about WrestleMania 17, Declan? I would say... uh in general, outside of the JR calls, which we have like so many more still to get to, that just the Jim Ross calls is definitely my favorite part of this because it's not even just the main event match. There's other ones too where he just absolutely goes ballistic, um, I- including in the in the Triple H match, obviously the TLC match uh, when Shane, I believe, and I don't know if it's in the notes from listener Mike, but I think that's the first time Shane McMahon does the coast to coast. This is in one corner. Shane is in another. There's no way. There is absolutely no way in hell. That's one of the most insane spots. Like every time you see him, and he still does it today. He still does it. 20 years later, every time I see him line up for that spot, it's like, there's no way. Yeah. How does he jump across the ring? And the two secrets I have found by studying it, and I would never be able to do this myself, is he doesn't actually jump off the turnbuckle. He jumps off the rope. Yeah. So he gets the extra spring. Yes. And then he only has to get like two-thirds of the way there because if he lands on his back over the halfway part, then he can sort of kick his legs out yeah. and get the track. It's still amazing, though. There, there's like two guarantees in every Shane McMahon match, a coast-to-coast and him falling through an announcer table. Like, it, it is a yes. guarantee that he is going to <laughs> selfishly try to sacrifice himself through an announcer's table. Those are the guarantees of Shane McMahon. Yes. Um, I, I, and generally, the JR calls are great. And I love the TLC match. I mean, I think this one is even way better than the first one. I have to probably go back and watch the one that happened at SummerSlam, uh, which I believe was in the middle of these two or or was later this year. I can't remember which one. It was between them. So it was was just, it was like three months after the last WrestleMania. So I I think uh, this TLC match was insane, especially too, because you had everyone 
basically playing a role of interference. So like Rhino comes out for Edge and Christian, little Spike Dudley, who am I, like I can't tell you how many times my friends compared me to Spike Dudley. You are, you do look a little like I'm, Spike Dudley. I'm basically Spike Dudley. Like he's a buck fifty when he gets killed by Brock Lesnar <laughs> in his debut. I don't know how he didn't like suffer legitimate injuries because he gets power bombed yeah, like nine takes times. Ridiculous bumps. Yes, and uh, and then obviously Lita comes out for the Hardy Boys. So like it was kind of a cool interference factor from everyone that came in and did their own little thing. And then, obviously, it's culminated by Edge spearing Jeff Hardy from the top of that ladder, which is also, like, one of the most insane things, too. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Oh, look at Edge! Oh, my God! Edge for the 20-foot ladder with a spear on Jeff Hardy! For the love of God, Jeff Hardy may be broken! Smack dab in half! Dude, I, I, I'm sorry, but, like... JR is just like showing off at this WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like Paul Heyman's fine. Like, actually, I, I kind of like Paul I think, Heyman. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. I don't mind him as color. You know, but when it's when it was Ross and King in the late 90s and into the bleeds into the early 2000s, they're, they're obviously the number one crew. But I don't think Paul Heyman does a bad job either. But yeah, JR is just totally showing yeah. off here. So that, that, that soundbite there and, and what you referenced, that is one of the most iconic spots in wrestling history. And there's all kinds of different, like, retrospective looks back. Edge has a podcast. He's talked about it a bunch. And it was just kind of like, it wasn't something that they had, like, rehearsed or anything. It was like, I mean, how do you rehearse that? It's it's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. and, and Jeff Hardy's hanging out by the, he's just hanging by the rungs. It's timed perfectly. The match, like, everyone does their part, like, getting the ladders out of the way and stuff and clearing out the carnage. It was just perfectly timed. And Hardy kind of swings back into the middle of the ring from whatever, 20 feet above, yeah. and Edge just hits him with that spear. And then Edge, like, brilliantly kind of, like, up on his knees, does the right kind of the look around and then hits the ground himself and just gives the crowd time to breathe. Um, that, I think, was the peak of tag team wrestling. That moment right there. Yeah. I know some people might say, you know, the glory days of the 80s and the NWA had some great tag action in the late 80s with the Road Warriors and whatnot. But you had three of the greatest teams of all time, maybe the three greatest teams of the 90s, really. Like right. once you get past Legion of Doom and, and all those teams and the Rockers and Demolition, those are the three teams of the 90s, early 2000s. And they're competing in the most ridiculous match of its tables, ladders, and chairs. It's WrestleMania. Um, I think that might be the peak of tag team wrestling when Edge is sitting on his knees after spearing Jeff Hardy. 20 feet down right. from, from the top of this ring. Just unbelievable. And especially, too, like you add in guy, like a team like the APA, who was also still pretty relevant around then. Like you definitely had a good amount of tag teams, Undertaker and, and uh, Kane forming their alliance. And then, I mean, Kane's like a 10-time tag team champion with like seven different partners. He's teamed up with X-Pac before. Daniel like, Bryan. Yeah, like there's just yeah. these random groups that, that pop up. But I, I would say yeah, probably like... 98 to 2003, it was, you know, it was the Dudleys, Hardys, and Edge and Christian. And, and yeah, it probably was the peak of tag team wrestling. Afterwards, it really kind of tailed off after that. I would say my favorite part about this WrestleMania was was honestly probably just the main event. Like, the mm-hmm. whole thing was incredible. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin in his home state of Texas. You had both guys getting busted open. They recreated the bloody sharpshooter spot from WrestleMania 13 right. where Stone Cold passed out from the blood. And they, and so they kind of teased like, oh, is this going to happen again? But then if you kind of go back and you know if you know that he turns heel at the end of the match, which, which I mean, I haven't watched this WrestleMania in a long time, but I do I do remember it finally clicked for me. Like, oh, that's right. This is the one yeah. where he, he shakes hands with Vince McMahon. Um, he works heel throughout the match. 
Like all the different things. Stone Cold is doing all these things. He's he's arguing with the ref. He's doing all the things throughout the match that a heel would do. Yeah. But he's also had kind of a heel character even when he's been a baby face. So he blurs the lines a little bit. But epic long match, almost a 30-minute match, and and Vince McMahon comes down. We already played some of the clips, but Vince McMahon comes down. He initially, you know, they're wondering, like, what happened? Vince McMahon got his ass kicked in the street fight. His family has, has dissolved, basically. Why is he even still here? And he comes walking down, and he pulls the rock off Austin after the people's elbow to break up the count. And then he later hits the rock with a steel chair on his own. The rock kicks out. I'll play a couple of these clips. So these guys, even before Vince McMahon comes out, are just going back and forth. They're bleeding. It's a brawl. They're both getting all their moves in. They're getting each other's moves in. Yeah. It's just a, a just an amazingly well crafted match. Everything was perfect. Then Vince comes out and and he tries to knock the Rock out with a chair. And then uh, eventually Austin just takes a chair after failing to pin the Rock a couple times and just beats the hell out of him with a chair. Yeah. And then pins him for the win. And then they shake hands. But. So I didn't love Austin turning heel because I just didn't think it made a ton of sense. Like he is this I unless there was a way to do it like Hulk Hogan did, where you're you're inventing a new faction of some kind and it's reinventing your career. Right. I just didn't and it's and, and he and he wasn't even a heel for a long time. He was a heel for like part of two thousand one. Yeah. Like the second half of two thousand one. It just like for him to be for him to turn heel, I think they should have had a plan for him to be a monster heel for like two or three years, like they did with 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 Hulk Hogan and WCW for sure. Um, but outside of just like sort of the failed heel run of Stone Cold Steve Austin after this, the creativity of the match and mm-hmm. the swerve ending and just everything about Jr. building up the the tension of it was an excellent main event. Yeah, I think it's one of the best main events we've we've seen so far. Um, and yeah, both of them trade blows for it. And twenty eight minutes usually, like I can get, I can get really critical when I see a match is like twenty eight minutes. Like, man, like this better be the greatest match ever if it's a half hour long. Like, it better be full of suspense from start to finish. And it really was. But I do find it interesting that Rock for three straight WrestleManias loses the main event. He lost this one. He lost in two thousand, and obviously then Stone Cold beats him in ninety nine. Yes. So for three, like we think of the Rock as like obviously the most polarizing wrestler. And like the most commercially successful after his wrestling career. And you know he has accolades and, and the crowd loves him. But I, I think if you were to guess, like, hey, you know how many WrestleMania main events The Rock has won? And yes. it's zero. Yeah. Well, I, I, did he beat, I mean, he beat John Cena, right? Like, I think that was probably, he I don't even did know if that be, was no, the main event. That, no, it, it was. I was there for it. That's right. I was there for it in Miami. It, that was it. Okay, so that, that's he the did. only time he's ever won. That's the only time he's ever, I think, ended a WrestleMania with. Win. His arm in the air. Yeah. Because as we're going to get to next week, he did beat Hulk Hogan, but that wasn't the main event. That no. wasn't send off into the sunset. Mm-mm. So I wonder if that was part of it, him coming back 10 years later after becoming a movie star. If one of the things that he wanted to accomplish was, I want to be the one at the end of WrestleMania that has my arm raised. Yeah. 
And you think about how big of a megastar he was and for them to not at either point in 2000 or 2001 put him over. Now, as we'll get to in Listener Mike's Fun Facts, he wasn't really able, he had to go film the Scorpion King after this, so he was going to be off for like three months. So there wasn't really a way for him to go over win this WrestleMania unless he were to come back the next night on Raw and like drop the belt. Right. So could they have done that? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh now he did beat Stone Cold in uh now this is my question. Two WrestleManias later here at WrestleMania nineteen, the third match between these two guys, The Rock did go over. I don't think that was the main event though. I don't think it was and that was it was not for a title because they only had I believe I don't know if the World Heavyweight Championship it was the World Heavyweight Championship was involved by then, but that but Austin and The Rock was a normal title defense, and I think he had Angle and if memory serves right, Angle and Brock Lesnar okay. for the title, and then you know the World Heavyweight was probably you know Triple H versus you know whoever yeah. I'm sure he won. I legit um, just don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. And it's like yeah, it's just kind of like it's not a black eye on The Rock's like resume. Of wrestling, because I think anyone, like you quiz them, and you're like, man, what all, all the great things The Rock did. I don't think anyone would really bring up that he lost three straight WrestleManias in his prime, or was billed to lose three WrestleManias in his prime from 99 to 2001. But it's a, it, it, there's a little saltiness to it of like, man, this was The Rock, and you there you couldn't figure out one time to get him over in his peak. And yeah, it, it is. It would be great to know like behind the scenes when he came back in what, like 2014 to headline that mania. If that was part of the discussion of like, can you get me over just once yeah. on the main event? And I don't know. These two are just such ridiculously hot tickets. And you think about how much time has passed now. We're, we're 19 years past this WrestleMania. And this was like kind of the, the beginning of the end of Stone Cold's run. I mean, Stone yeah. Cold was Stone Cold's last match was two years later. The Rock was no longer at two years from this point. The Rock was basically off and running to. And he came back a little in '04, but he was basically right. gone. Mm-hmm. And so the run for these guys was 1997 through like 2003, basically like a six-year good solid run for these guys. And that's not that long. No, you know, think about like 2014 through 2020. Well, that's kind of the Seth Rollins, but Seth Rollins has been around forever. Uh, I mean, John Cena's been on for 15 years, right, almost right. 20 years. I mean, Brock Lesnar and like his first blip was like two years before yeah. he left to go play football and join yes, the UFC. It was. He burned out and didn't want the, uh, the travel schedule anymore. No. So, all right, other things. Well, let me ask you this. What was your least favorite part about just, this WrestleMania? Just too many unnecessary matches. Like, And, and we're at the point now where I believe we're going to be at like three and a half hours at the floor of every WrestleMania going forward, because I know they slowly build up more and more to longer t- longer times. Are you saying we didn't need the intro and the walk down the ramp for what? every single wrestler in the gimmick battle royal? Uh, yes, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I did I did like the ramp, like it's pretty cool. Like that, it's I'm sure for the wrestlers it was pretty neat to like have this long entryway. I thought that part was actually kind of cool. But yeah, like the weird ass intro montage where it's like. You have farmers. There's a clown. There's like high school sweethearts in the car watching. Like it was just like, what are, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like I get that. Like wrestling is at this point at its peak, and everyone, even a casual person, Joe Schmo, is probably turning on wrestling. I don't think they're buying WrestleMania, but it was just like a weird opening montage. And then in general, yeah, just like a lot of slow build and and unnecessary. Like Jericho versus Regal. I, I thought like that's a bad build for Chris Jericho, who had just debuted like a little bit beforehand, and yeah, the Taz APA unnecessary Kane versus Raven and Big Show in a hardcore match. Like you wasted Kane and Big Show in that thing. 
I, I do think angle. You know versus, me, I love hardcore matches. I know so you I, love I'm, them. I'm a mark for hardcore so, so matches. So I, I, I just, I, get, I turned off. I get tuned off by them. And I, I, Angle versus Benoit was good. I mean, those are two submission specialists that you knew were going to grapple the hell out of each other. Yep. So that was solid. Two of the most underrated performers, just pure performers in the history of wrestling. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the good thing is, like, the TLC match, the Undertaker-Triple H match, and the main event, like, kind of help offset the negativity or the, the unnecessary matches, I should say, part of this mania. But th- there was just... The 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 majority of the card I thought was completely unnecessary yeah. and not like a good enough build. So my, there are three unbelievable peak moments to me, like the TLC match, the Rock Austin match, and then Undertaker Triple H, which we'll get to. Yeah, uh, I loved all of that stuff, and I even loved this was this was China's last WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So she actually left the company later on in 2001 because she demanded a one million dollar a year contract, and they said, "I'm sorry, like we love you, but we can't do that," and so they just parted ways. And then she actually made a couple brief appearances with TNA and New Japan, but that was basically 2001 was like the the end of China as a top wrestler mm-hmm. in the world. Later became an adult film star. Yep. And then with, by the way, titles such as One Night in, in China, China, Back yep. Door to China, yep. which you can imagine what that means. The content in that video is. <laughs> yep. And with some wrestlers. Well, one X, of them was. X-Pac. X-Pac. Yeah. X-Pac was in there. There you go. Yep. He definitely spent a night in China or a multiple. And uh, she was a VH1 reality star right. at one point. But but so I, I, I sort of love the symbolism of China going in. She just came off of like two years of intercontinental title run and, yeah. and feuds. And so she goes into the women's title match. And they didn't even pretend for it to be like an actual match. She just destroyed Ivory in two <laughs> yeah. minutes. At one point, could have pinned her but picked her up. So I love what they did there. And China, Lita, and Trish all playing big roles at this WrestleMania as sort of the three that, and I might be missing one or two in there somewhere, but like those were the three that kind of mm-hmm. paved the way for yeah. what eventually became the real women's ranks of wrestling. Um, my least favorite part was just kind of piggybacking off what you're saying. That the McMahon stuff had jumped weird. the shark by this. Yeah, it was weird. Too much McMahon stuff. And this was this was also sort of crescendoing into even more mm-hmm. McMahon stuff because the WCW invasion storyline and Shane owning WCW, but Linda McMahon in a coma-like state and then Vince McMahon having an affair with Trish Stratus and then Linda emerges from her coma in the middle of the match to kick Vince in the grapefruits. Like All of it was just weird, especially after almost four years of the McMahon storyline running the WWE yeah. and I don't know. It was... It kind of jumped the shark for me. I, I, don't, I, I don't think the match, like, just between, if you're looking at just the match between Shane and Vince, like, I actually think that they did a pretty decent job. Could for, have been worse. Could have been worse, right? Like, you had Shane O'Mac doing himself and, and, and sacrificing his body all over the place, and, and Vince was roided up, you know, on, on steroids for the one of seven times that he's just absolutely a physical freak, and he should not look like that. Um, but, yeah, just the weirdness of, like, Trish Stratus being the mistress and, like, yeah. Making Trish like take off. I think Trish even like filed a liability suit against like the WWE. And I know she like had some definite some issues back like backstage with like how she was portrayed in these early runs before she was like basically the queen and on top of the women's division. Oh, you mean like having your boss demand that you make out with him as part of a storyline yeah, or a that, strip in front strip to your broad underwear and on national television? Yeah. What what percentage of Vince McMahon making out with Trish Stratus was this would be great for a storyline. And what percentage of it was Vince McMahon 
was just kind of an old hornball and wanted to make out with Trish Stratus yeah, outside like, the confines of his marriage. Like 95 to 5 <laughs> in favor of you know what. It's like, yeah, creepy, it's, close. It is, it's really weird. It was just completely unnecessary. Completely. Un- and then like Mick Foley involved. you like, why? Like, why? Also, like, why is Mick Foley involved in this? <laughs> There's way too many pieces in the puzzle. So, all right. Undertaker Triple H was the other, it was the sort of the semi-main event here. The first of their three meetings at WrestleMania. And you had the Motorhead live performance of Triple yeah. H's entry music, which was awesome. You had Triple H chokeslammed off the camera well, and then the EMTs come <laughs> down to work on him, and then Undertaker elbow drops him, and then the EMTs just like keep working on him. But right. I thought that was a creative match. And you had the Triple H. This is the peak of the Triple H sledgehammer era, too, so you had this. Again with the sledgehammer! Oh, the hell the Undertaker! The game picked up the sledgehammer as he was being hoisted up and used it as a weapon right in the head of the Undertaker! The referee! But did you know that that wasn't actually supposed to be the semi-main event? No. Listener Mike. Oh, thank gosh. Who sends in this note. Says the top of the card was supposed to be rounded out with one other top match. Triple H, not versus The Undertaker, versus Hulk Hogan. Hogan wasn't being used by WCW, but was still under contract with AOL Time Warner, formerly Turner Broadcasting. Maybe McMahon could get Hogan out of his Time Warner deal since they weren't using him on WCW television. But in the end, Time Warner balked at letting Hogan out of his contract since he was working with them on a TV project. They weren't going to make Hogan work with WWF and appear on Raw and TNN while also trying to put together a show for TNT or TBS. Of course, Hogan did rejoin WWF about a year later for WrestleMania 18 and the build up to the Rock match. But that would have been something. Triple H versus Hulk Hogan instead of Triple H Undertaker and I, at WrestleMania. And I know Taker a year from now, that him and Hogan have a little feud. They exchanged the title belts a couple times in 2002. But I, then I also wondered then who would Taker be billed with? Because, you know, like it, there was a couple of these manias beforehand where, you know, he's like, he gets big boss man. It's like, it, it, this is the Undertaker. You're going to give him big boss man, 12-year-old washed up boss man. And I would be really curious who it probably would have been. He was coming off the Kane match. Could, could could that have been a spot for Jericho? Maybe Jericho maybe. versus Taker. I could see Jericho. I'm that trying to even. Fun. Yeah, would have been would have been even like crap. I mean, like Rock and the Rock and Undertaker would be amazing. That's another one. Think about all these combinations that didn't happen. The, these main event combinations that could have taken place. WrestleMania 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Right. Uh, Undertaker versus Stone Cold for a WrestleMania main event. Now they had a SummerSlam, I mm-hmm. believe, and they had a bunch of run at other pay per views. And they had some run, I think, even before Stone Cold became champion at WrestleMania 14. Uh, the Invasion storyline. So that's the storyline of WCW being bought by Shane McMahon, and and they're going to invade WWF, right? They even had the suite of WCW wrestlers watching on inside the, the Astrodome. Well, I'm going to read you this excerpt from Wikipedia. It was a huge flop overall. The storyline that sort of went into late 2021 and then eventually included ECW as well. Mm -hmm. So some of the WCW wrestlers' absences from the storyline. So just to back up a step, Hogan, Nash, Scott Hall, Sting, Goldberg, none of these guys were part of the initial WCW invasion storyline. Yet the WWF had all these top names that were battling through the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. Um, so how are you supposed to justify like the rock and stone cold and triple H and the undertaker and all these top names. And then it's like Booker T and 
Diamond Dallas Page. Nobody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only one. Yeah. So some of WCW's wrestlers' absences were out of the WWF's control. Many of the WCW's top wrestlers had contracts with AOL Time Warner and were willing to sit at home rather than wrestle for less money. So they had these bloated, guaranteed contracts, and they'd rather just sit those out than come to WWF for less money because WWF was like, we're not going to pay $3 million to Scott Hall. Like, we'll give you a million, but right. you know, Time Warner can pay the bloated part of the salary. Um, and so Booker T was the only big-time name, the reigning WCW champion, that said, all right, I'll take a buyout of my Time Warner contract so I can just get in the ring immediately and get to work. McMahon had the option of taking on any contract he wanted with his purchase of WCW, but he chose to let AOL Time Warner continue to pay out where they were considered bad deals. Ric Flair, who would appear on Raw the following Survivor Series, and Rey Mysterio were not signed until the end of the Invasion story because they were tied to their contracts, and therefore their absence was out of WWF's control. In addition, Scott Steiner was recovering from an injury. Others like Hulk, Nash, and Hall and Goldberg were not signed until well after the storyline finished. Sting was under contract and did not join the WWE until 2014. I know. Also, ECW uh, joined the Invasion storyline, but a couple of their top guys like Sabu and Sandman were not part of it. So not to mention, Triple H tore his quad early in this storyline, so he was out for the majority of it. The Rock was filming a movie at the beginning of the storyline, so he was out of the beginning part of it. And, And then Stone Cold was eventually used to turn into a good guy again. And that's the clip on Raw where he, in July, just like stuns everybody in the ring. Yeah. And Jim Ross goes bonkers. And then Stone Cold turns into a bad guy again. But I guess long story longer, um, the Invasion storyline on paper could have been incredible. Right. And it just got botched up and down. What they probably should have done is, could they have purchased WCW and then allow the contracts to just run out through the end of the year, wait a year to do the invasion storyline, or would it, or did it have just lost steam? It probably would have lost steam. I don't think it would have been able because then, because at that point, then it just wouldn't have been cool anymore. Like, we, but we, you can't do it, and it's like Saturn, you yeah. know? It's like or whoever are some of these <laughs> right, other yeah, dudes you were. You can do it with the with the mid card guys, Sean Stasiak. Oh my god. <laughs> And like, yeah, because some of these WCW guys, like I grew up as a WCW kid, so I would have loved to see guys like Sting and and Goldberg who had like a, a brief cup of coffee, a couple of them. But like, I love Diamond Dallas Page. I was a big Sting guy. I would have loved to see these dudes get runs in like the early 2000s. And yeah, Sting didn't really come to the fold till it was well after the fact. DDP made it like a sporadic ex- uh, appearance next year, and it was only there for a little bit before suffering an injury. So. They botched it a little bit. I think they did the best what they could work with in the invasion storyline with corporate and McMahon. Like it, it, it worked, but it probably could have been done better if you look back. Yeah, it. yeah. I don't know. I mean, if like, how can you pull that storyline off if it's supposed to be everything you've wanted to see for four years in this battle? Excuse me. And it's the top guys in each federation going head to head, and like you don't have half the top guys. It and just then, doesn't make sense. And then the weird part was like how they incorporated the WCW belts like into w, like they called them still the WCW yeah. belts for like 9 months essentially like you still had you you had the World Heavyweight Championship but it wasn't the WWE World Heavyweight Championship it was WCW's. So in general it was just kind of like weird how this yeah. and I'm sure there was semantics in the contracts and stuff that probably blocked a lot of this but yeah they're, 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 looking back you probably could have done it a lot better. Yeah. So fun facts from listener Mike here. This is always one of our favorite. Mike McGivern is a loyal friend of the show, and he is a huge wrestling fan from the Attitude Era as well. 
I'm just going to read you some of this stuff, and we can stop and pause here. So 2001, he writes, is WWF's creative and business peak. It was an exciting time for the company. It was the dying days of both ECW and WCW. And with Vince McMahon's obsession with the XFL, Vince McMahon basically turned it over to other people in the company from a creative standpoint and said, hey, you guys keep this thing humming. You guys you guys run the shows from week to week, and it worked really well. There's just a lot of great storylines and top superstars. And as Mike writes, this is basically the WrestleMania that's known for everything going around in and around the show itself, but not the actual show itself because of the WCW storyline and the McMahon storyline and all this stuff. But because you had the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin on top, your wrestling promotion can basically run on autopilot. So the Rock was off to film the Scorpion King right after this mania. So uh, it was evident to everyone behind the scenes and in the know and the dirt sheets that Stone Cold Steve Austin would win. And the biggest question was, would he turn heel while winning? Austin had long been the top babyface in the company and wasn't going to do a complete character makeover that The Undertaker had, for instance. So the idea was a heel turn with Austin aligning with his arch nemesis, Vince McMahon, would be the surprise hook to end the show. Ultimately, the heel turn by Austin flopped because those millions of casual wrestling fans didn't want to boo Stone Cold Steve Austin. And in reality, I think I just didn't. I think millions just didn't get the business and why Austin would have turned heel. What's like? Why would he be a bad guy? Yeah. Uh, business would have gone down anyways. But from the night after WrestleMania 17 on, the WWE has never done better business, TV ratings, merchandise sales, or had the kind of mainstream popularity. This was the peak of the WWF at the time, slash WWE, WrestleMania 17. Just how successful was this show? It set the then North America wrestling record of $3.5 million in ticket sales. The show also topped $1.2 million in merchandise sales with a crowd just shy of 68,000. Not to mention they did, let's see, nearly 1 million pay-per-view buys at 40 bucks a pop, which generated $47 million. Good Lord in pay-per-view buys. A couple other notes here from listener Mike. So Shawn Michaels, who came back a year and a half later at SummerSlam to fight Triple H, his first match in four years, had actually negotiated with Vince McMahon in January for a full-time on-air role that would occasionally see him wrestle. He would sign a new contract but balked at working WrestleMania because he only wanted to wrestle Triple H but didn't want to lose to him, which would have been the logical outcome at that time. His plan was to return to the ring a month after Mania at Backlash, but he had disagreement with Vince about his creative direction, putting a halt to his in-ring return even further. It put it off by another year. Yeah. So he was ready to come back in 2001, didn't come back until 2002. Um, let's see what else here. Uh, some great stuff in here. This is a note about OVW, which was essentially NXT before NXT, Ohio Valley, Ohio Valley Wrestling in yeah. 2001 was like the development ground. Mm-hmm. So as part of OVW in March of 2001, you had Dave Batista, <laughs> six foot six, great physical proportions, ripped to shreds, and they're trying to teach him to work like a cane-like monster, although he's not as big as Kane. You also had Brock Lesnar. You had John Cena, and I believe you had Randy Orton all in OVW wow. at the same time. So this WrestleMania is all about Triple H, Undertaker, The Rock, and Stone Cold. And they're about to hand the baton off to Brock Lesnar, Dave Batista, Randy Orton, and John Cena. Not a bad So you baton. just have an amazing stable of talent here. For sure. In this company. 
Um, any other thoughts before we get to some of the other categories? Here? So the only thing I thought was weird, like I was doing a Wikipedia dive on it, and it, it, like WWE.com did their top 25 pay-per-views like in 2013, so it's obviously been seven years since then. And they ranked this number one. Like the number one pay per view yeah. of all time. And there and, and it's well regarded. Like obviously it was extremely successful from a business standpoint. It's a good WrestleMania, and I know we'll do our rankings here in a couple minutes, but I don't know. Like the number one pay per view of all time and the number one mania, I just don't think I, I can get there because just those, the unnecessary matches, I I couldn't do it. Boy, that's interesting. Um I need to I guess do you have a full list of all the other ones behind it? And we probably have to do a dive into like what the matches were and stuff. I don't necessarily disagree. If you think oh, about the the main event was excellent. Mm-hmm. The sub main event was two of the most iconic stars of all time. So just like star power, Triple H Undertaker, Rock Stone Cold, those two as main event, semi main event, right there. The last hour of the show, like iconic, iconic. And then to have the TLC match, the most iconic tag match of all time, sitting right in the middle of the card. And that brings you down to like, all right, let's go to the lower end of the card. Who else do you got? Well, Kurt Angle wrestled Chris Benoit. Chris Jericho wrestled William Regal. There's just a lot. Even the even the some of the throwaway matches had legendary figures and Hall of Famers like sure. JBL. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I would put it as the number one pay per view of all time, but it's definitely in a conversation of like the ten best. So this or in is, this case, the twenty. This was best. from WWE.com in 2013. They have number two behind it as Money in the Bank 2011. That's when Punk. Uh, beat yeah, John dude. Cena oh when he God. was at his exit and like bad beef and he blows the kiss to McMahon. So like I can see that. Um, number three, Royal Rumble 2000. Which I, I believe that was, was that McMahon winning? So if McMahon wins that one, then, then you know really the WWE corporate has their their teeth into into uh, into that main, or in that Royal Rumble ranking. Uh, and then rounding out the top five is just Spring Stampede in 1994. That was a WCW pay-per-view, which... Uh, fe- featured Dusty Rhodes and uh, and even Ricky and Ric Flair, and the number five was WrestleMania three. Okay. See, all right. See, this is where WrestleMania three. Let's let's get to our definitive Mania rankings here. Okay. All right. Well, yep. first of all, match that stole the show for you. The match, TLC match. Yep. TLC me. match for Easily. sure. Yep. TLC. Okay. Definitive Mania rankings. So I have actually gone through and I have put together uh, sort of like our composite score for each of these based on our conversations and stuff. We actually. We started scoring these later on, and we actually had a couple scores early on, a 1 through 10 score. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of – but we have WrestleMania 14 and WrestleMania 10 at the top of our board with an 8 out of 10 score. We have WrestleMania 13 and 15, both with 7.5 and 7, and WrestleMania 6 at a 7. We put WrestleMania 3 in the middle of all these so far (laughs) because, yes, it had a great main event, an iconic main event, but it also just had a lot of throwaway matches early leading up. Yes. So maybe it's an era thing for us. Like we came along and we're more Probably attitude era guys, but Probably what it is. So one through ten, how many Stone Cold Stunners would you give WrestleMania seventeen? A seven. I, it, it's a seven, and it, it could be a ten. It's just the throwaway matches kind of don't give don't don't do it for me. So obviously the three marquee matches in the TLC and Taker versus Triple H in the main event with with Hogan and Austin, which is awesome. I think that might be the best main event we've seen. It's it's definitely an above average WrestleMania, but for me, I I can't go above ten, and I can't go above WrestleMania from ninety eight. I don't think it's I don't think it comes close to that. So I give it a nine, all right, which gives it a composite score of eight, eight. which ties it with WrestleMania fourteen and WrestleMania ten at okay. the top. So um, I mean, we both think very highly of it. It's just sort of splitting hairs on how iconic is it, right? Right. 
So that gives the, the top five WrestleManias that we have reviewed so far are WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 14, which launched the Attitude Era, WrestleMania 10 at Madison Square Garden, the first ever ladder match at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 13, 15, and then a tie also with WrestleMania 6 okay. in the Skydome. So there it is. Next week, wow. it's going to be uh, – it's another one, man. Next week with – you get Brock Lesnar, I think, his debut in 2002, and you also get – Stone Cold, um, or I'm sorry, you get uh, The Rock. Well, you get Stone Cold versus Scott Hall, yeah, and then you get The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. And I believe I believe this is either the last one or it's the first one of the WWE rebrand. I don't know if this is a WWE WrestleMania or if this is the last of the WWF. It's somewhere in the yeah. it's, it's it's I know oh, I know 19 is WWE, so I, I forget if 18 is uh, is is the get the F out as they uh, that's right as they marketed, <laughs> which is a great actually marketing campaign. It was, yep. So that's a wrap on WrestleMania Rewind. You can find these weekly every Tuesday on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Share with your wrestling-loving friends, and if you have thoughts on any of these WrestleManias, hit us up at Dex's Tweets, at Phil Mackie. We're going to let Jim Ross take it home. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.